everyone. I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Now, if you haven't already done so, make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that you're always in the know and that you never miss an episode. And now today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Marcus Peterson. Marcus is a former NFL wide receiver, entrepreneur, model, MBA graduate, and founder of MP Motivational Apparel. Marcus is one of those people who truly believes in redefining the impossible, and I love his story, and I know you will too by listening to it today. And now, Marcus didn't receive any Division I college scholarships, yet he was still able to move the ball and make his dreams happen of playing professional football. Marcus, welcome to the show. Jen, thank you so much for having me. Well, I really appreciate you being here with us today. So let's start off our conversation with your path of playing football. Your story is a little different than a number of the other former NFL guys that I have on the show as you didn't start playing the sport until a little bit later, your sophomore year of high school. Tell us about how did you get into it and uh, what was your journey like and what excited you about the game of football? Yeah, so basically I started in 10th grade of high school. So what happened was my ninth grade year, I went to a very small private school because of basketball because I was so infatuated with basketball. I still am, obviously, but as far as playing, it was very top-tier basketball school. In middle school, I had good height, but when I got to high school, I kind of just stopped growing. Everybody else was growing at like, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 6'6". Due to my growth staying, well, now at 5'11", I had kind of the football size. So I have a best friend still to this day where he was always infatuated with football. So he was like recruiting a lot of people who didn't play basketball to come play football because it was an eight-man school. So it was an eight-man program, which obviously traditional is 11 players on the field. But I went to a small private school where there was eight players. So he was just trying to recruit as many people as he can, he and the coach and other players. Once I got that approval from the basketball coach that, yeah, maybe you should try out football. You got a good size, et cetera, et cetera. Then that kind of gave me the due diligence to want to try it out. And plus, I wanted to get my conditioning as well, because normally football season is before basketball season. So after that, I played for the three years, and then I just kind of fell in love with it. So that's kind of really how it came as far as you know, starting and wanting to go on to play college football. Okay, and then what made you want to continue on to try to play in the NFL? I mean, it's a small percentage that make it, right? And not having a Division I scholarship, the odds are stacked against you. It's not impossible, obviously, but it is a harder path. So why was that important to you? Uh, I really didn't care too much about the NFL. I was just playing. I was just going to college just to, you know, just to get away from home and, you know, get my education. And I was going with my friends as well. So it was kind of just uh, at the moment type thing. I didn't get serious about making it to the NFL to I think my junior year of college when I was out here training in Los Angeles with like some of the top QBs and receivers at the time during the summer. So I remember running routes and working out and then a couple of players and quarterbacks were like, you know, asked me, so what, what team are you on? And I'm thinking like college, but they thought I was like in the NFL. And that was the first bell that rang. Like, you know, maybe if I take this serious, I can go a long way. So that was the first bell that rang. And then secondly was 
I'm very relentless. So a lot of people kept being Debbie Downers and telling me that I couldn't do it and I would never do it. It was impossible. The odds were stacked against me. So I'm the type of guy that where if you tell me I can't go right, then I have to go right. Or if I can't go left, I have to go left. So that was literally the main only reason why I wanted to go is because, you know, my coaches and other people thought that it was impossible and there was no chance I can do it. If my college career panned out the way I wanted it to go or even half the way, the way I wanted it to go, then I really wouldn't care too much of making it to the NFL, to be honest. I see. Well, I, I like the, the fact that you were relentless and that you also didn't let those people, and, and I've come across a lot of Debbie Downers as well. I mean, being a female in the sports world, there's a lot of people that say you can't do something and tell you you're wasting your time. And I have my own stories about that. And, and so it takes a lot of courage to continue to press on when you keep hearing the naysayers speak. And so how was it that you were able to stay mentally focused and locked in and keep on going, even though you had these people that were, you know, sharing their negative comments and negativity? Because I kind of knew that what my why was, like I, I had to go to NFL because I felt like first I was talented enough, even like during, like going into my senior season, we had coach changes. So they really didn't believe in me whatsoever. So I already knew even like before the season began, even during the season, I was preparing myself for post-collegiate football. So like even in September, October, I was already networking. I was already working out and doing stuff for post I couldn't wait on, you know, my coaches to do anything for me or they didn't play me because I really didn't play at all. We had our issues off the field as far as relationship-wise, but I just was getting myself together and gearing myself long-term. A lot of people were thinking kind of short-term, and, yeah, a lot of guys had, like, 80 catches, 70 catches, or, like, 100 touchdowns. But I just knew my hustle and my talent would surpass me in that aspect. So I kind of just stayed focused on the main goal and understanding what my why was knowing how to network, just knowing myself. As, like I said, not taking no for an answer. That was kind of where I understood what my plan A was and I had to stay persistent with it. So so you mentioned plan A and something that you, you say often is to be 100% focused on plan A. Like, what does that mean? If you were to say that to someone, how would you explain that? And what do they need to do to stay focused on that plan A? Well, first and foremost, I think your plan A is what your why is. Let's say, for instance, the first inkling I had with this is I remember in college, there was a young lady who was you know pretty good in track. She ran the, I think the hurdles or four by four or something like that. And she was dating one of the football players. And I think she got pregnant her sophomore year. So she had to quit track at the time, take a year off, obviously, for her pregnancy. But, you know, statistically, like she could have just got a job and just gave up. But she was one of the first persons in her generation, quite a few generations in her family that would have gone and graduated from college. So that was her why and that was her plan A. So that really stuck out to me even when I was a sophomore. And then, you know, developing that same aspect of, like you said, the percentage of making it to the NFL, playing eight-man football, not really having the college film, but understanding what my why was. So when I tell people and explain to people the plan A, it's understanding that we only live once. If you give it your all, you have a passion, you stick to it, and you finally get to that level or that dream or that plan A, it can and will change your life forever rather than if you've given up too soon and now you're stuck in a situation where you'll have regret in the, in the future. Sure. And I recently finished up a Path to the Draft series uh, where I interviewed 13 NFL draft prospects and their stories and eight of those prospects 
got drafted or picked up as a priority free agent. But one of those uh, individuals, Kadarian Jones, played at wide receiver at Memphis. There was something that he shared on our interview, which was to always live by faith and not by sight. And so when I think of your remaining 100% focused on plan A, I mean, the plan A is your why, right? And you can't get caught up in the day-to-day and the things that might go wrong or the naysayers or the, the negativity that you encounter. And it's staying connected to that why and having that faith that uh, you are going to push through anything that you go through. I agree because that's the kind of the same method. I knew that, you know, God had my back and always had my back regardless to what man says. You know, I know that God always has the last word. That was one of the um, scripts read and one of the interviews articles when I first signed was Marcus was the first person in school history to sign an NFL contract. So, so as I get older, more mature, you start to realize that no matter what it may look like or what's depicted, if you, you know, keep your head down and you stay on the grind and you stay focused and stay persistent, then ultimately it will pan out for you. Absolutely. Now, when you were playing football, what lessons did you learn from playing the game that you've taken away that have really helped you to be successful beyond the game and everything you're doing now? I would say you get one shot. Always be ready so you don't have to get ready. Enjoying the moment. But the biggest thing as I see now is, let's say, for instance, if you reach that high level or that pinnacle or that platform, is it's called a temperature that I like to use. So once you have that temperature, you have to exhaust every opportunity at that time. Because once your opportunity is hot, it's hot. And once your temperature is cold, then it's cold. When I, when I say that, meaning when you're in the fire or like, let's say if you're playing football, you have to catch every ball that comes your way. You have to network as much as possible. Use kind of that platform for your other passions and your other dreams. You have to work harder than everybody else. Another thing is competition is like the biggest key, even in business. I remember in practice, you would have other receivers that weren't on the team, like free agents, you know, working out for the team for either future contracts or to replace you or you have different quarterbacks to D-line. So you literally can see, you know, another man literally trying to take your spot. So you always have to be on your P's and Q's at all times. And really kind of just enjoy the process. Like I was soaking it all in. I was trying to learn all the plays and, you know, understand the culture because going from, you know, eight-man football or D2 overseas all the way to the NFL is a whole other ballgame not just with football itself, but the business side of it. So learning all that on the fly, always, like I said, being ready so you don't have to get ready. Great. And so let's now transition beyond the game. So you've hung up your cleats and you founded this great company called MP Apparel. Share with us, why did you choose to start that company and the focus of, I I know the background of it, but I want you to share because I think it'd be more powerful from you saying it than me just sharing it. Well, it's called MP Motivational Apparel Brand because my name is Marcus Peterson. I have three mantras that really reflected what I went through to get to where I am today. So one of my main mantras is 100% focus on plan A. It's because I remember a coach asked me, I think before our last game of the season, he asked me, uh, so what do you want to do? Like what job do you want to work or what type of field do you want to work as far as workforce or nine to five? I just kind of got really discomfort about that because obviously if you're a senior in, in, in college, you, the thing is probably trying to go pro. So for him to ask me that and think that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So that's kind of why I knew I had to stick to my plan A and make it to the NFL, not just for myself, but for people all over. And also staying persistent. Well, with staying persistent for me per se is like I didn't get drafted. 
or get invited to the combine. So I had to literally go all the way to Europe. I played in London for a year and I obtained my MBA as well. So I was studying full-time, playing football full-time, and also networking all over the UAE, Europe, Asia, Africa, because that was more on the personal brand, but literally having all that on my plate while I said going back to the temperature. While your temperature is hot. So I was there for a year and I knew all the things I needed to do and get that done while I was there because I probably never had the opportunity again. Or if I didn't, then I want to exhaust all that opportunity. And then prove yourself right. I used to have a notion of proving others wrong. That's kind of what the main reason why of, oh, you told me I can't do it, then I have to. So once I you know, got more mature, got more peace of mind of who I am and what it is that my calling was, I changed that narrative to a positive, which is prove yourself right. So when it used to be prove others wrong, it's more of a negative energy. But once I changed that to prove yourself right, I was okay and acceptable with my life and the path that I wanted to go through. The last one was, you know, don't make goals, make history. And like I said earlier, I was the first one in my college to ever, you know, reach the NFL pinnacle or sign the contract. So, you know, everyone's goal is to make it or do something, but to make history is a whole nother ballgame. So those are the four mantras that I live by. I love those. So thanks for sharing that with the audience. Now let's talk a little bit more about the entrepreneurial journey as someone myself who, who left the corporate world and is an entrepreneur. I can definitely say it's a roller coaster ride for sure. And, you know, sometimes when we have an MBA, we kind of think that we're ready to take on the business world and that we can, you know, do our own thing because we have this business education. Like we know how to run a business and, you know, I have an MBA, I've worked in multiple fortune 50 companies and I can say that this entrepreneurial journey is you learn so much that being in a well-established company doesn't teach you an MBA, doesn't teach you. Talk to us about kind of what are some of the highs and lows that you faced with your company and growing it? Well, first and foremost, I already had an inkling. I already knew. I felt, I really felt how close I was making to the NFL. I really felt it. What I wanted to do was I already had the business in mind. Everything was already lined up, ready to go. But what I wanted to do is want to be different because I didn't want to be another like mom and pop shop of just having, you know, just apparel brand. So I'm not really a selling apparel. It's more of the message. As you know, in business, like you have to, you're selling emotion, you're selling a story, how it's relatable and it could benefit to the consumer. So I was blessed enough to not only have the L.A. market and the, you know, American market, but I was able to connect in the U.K. market as well. So I had the European market as well as the American market. So I wanted to reach more than one demographic. It's funny because so I linked up with uh, David Metzler out here in Los Angeles. And two weeks later, that's when I signed with the, the NFL. But I knew I wanted to wait. So I came up with that, my business and the interview with him literally the day after I signed because I know it would get way more exposure. The story would obviously make more sense. You know, if I would have prematurely came out with the business, then it would have affected me long term and it wouldn't have been as successful as it was if I would have waited. So I understand even, you know, in business, timing is everything. I waited and I was patient, but I had everything ready. So once I launched it, as soon as I got that exposure, the story made sense. It was better. So then I was able to launch it in Paris. I was able to launch it in London. So that's kind of what I did understand about, you know, business. And I was, I was blessed enough to get my MBA first, then go to the NFL because so much comes with it. And if you don't have self-control, if you don't have, you know, a foundation or a grounding, you can be swayed so fast. So understanding that, yes, you know, they're using you for your talent, but you have to use 
that platform as well. So just understanding and soaking all that business mindset. So using football to help your business and helping business to help you with football. So that was something I was blessed to understand before, you know, it all happened. Now let's talk a little bit more about part of the, the motivation behind MP Motivation Apparel. And you know, your goal for 2020 is to donate 10,000 pairs of socks by the end of the year. And uh, you know, socks are the most needed item by the homeless community. Talk to us a little bit about that and what you're looking to do. Because for me, Move the Ball is really about not just making an impact in your own life and having that individual success. It's about making a difference in the world. Yes, definitely. And uh, to speak on that, when I lived in Europe, I kind of started that with reading material and clothes. So I kind of had that already in the arsenal as well, but I wanted to wait. So the thing was, I kept doing research and obviously living in so many different places as far as, you know, reaching my goal for football, you have to travel a lot. So I kept seeing how homelessness was at all time one of the big issues, not just here in, you know, the U.S., but very drastic in Europe and different places as well. So, you know, there's a thing, you know, in the Bible where it says, you know, if you give man a fish, he'll starve. But if you teach a man to fish, he'll be able to make it for his own. So basically when I was, you know, seeing that giving, because, you know, we give on Christmas or Thanksgiving traditional-wise, but that doesn't account for, you know, the other 10 months. So I wanted to enrich and help in different ways, and that can help long-term. So what I did was I did the due diligence with my brand as to connect with nonprofit organizations here in the U.S. and also in England as well of providing socks because socks are, as I've researched and did, my research was one of the top three things other than, you know, underwear, you know, for female products. Socks was the number two or three things that was needed and unappreciated and not given as much as, you know, food or clothes. So I wanted to do something different and, you know, put my logo on socks and just not just have it for like just in the LA market, but I was able to give in Europe and in France as well. So here throughout the United States. So I wanted to have a, a goal where, you know, I gave out 10,000 pairs of socks. So it was doing, it's doing pretty good. I'm still doing the distribution on that. And I connected with Foot Locker as well. So that was really good. I partnered with Foot Locker right after Christmas. So that was good right here in Los Angeles. So it's been going pretty good. And due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it's been extremely hard because now it's a whole nother ballgame as far as health. So what you see on the news is you don't really see too much of them covering the homeless community. It's more of just, you know, the the average middle class person worldwide. But nothing is really being covered on the homeless as far as protection. So still coming up with innovative ways of to help, but also staying safe as well. So just like with every business and every idea, this kind of pandemic has altered, you know, someone or some or all plans in, in some type of ways. But like in business, you have to adjust. So trying to figure out the best, safest way to continue my journey and my path of what the goal is for the end of 2020. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we do have to adjust and adapt as we go through times such as this. And I think what you're doing is wonderful. And I look forward to seeing how you adapt and continue to make an impact in the homeless community. So tell people, where can they find out more about your company? Where can they purchase product that will help then uh, allow you to continue to donate more uh, socks and potentially other things to put the homeless community? Yes. So I have a website. It's called www.mpmotivationalapparel.com. 
You can also find me on Google at Marcus Peterson, as well as my Instagram will be Marcus T. Peterson, as well as MP Motivational Apparel. So that's MP as in Marcus Peterson Motivational Apparel, where all your questions could be answered. I'm very heavily on LinkedIn as well under Marcus Peterson. So I'm very easy to reach. But as far as, you know, my YouTube and my website, as far as able to donate or to give socks. So what the method is, is for every two pairs of socks that's purchased, you know, one is donated to a choice of the local community. So now I'm here in Los Angeles, California. So that's when socks in the homeless community will be given out. So we've been doing pretty good at that as far as like purchasing and donating. It's just simple, just giving you a pair of socks that can go a long way, whether white socks or black socks. So. Sure. And we'll be sure to put all of those links in our show notes. You guys can uh, check out the website, buy some socks and help support Marcus on his journey to really make an impact. And uh, from as someone that's lived out in Southern California, or I lived there for many, many years, I do know that uh, there is a large homeless population out in the LA County area. So I thank you for everything that you're doing to try to make a positive difference in that area. Of course, and it's unfortunate that even after this pandemic, there will be more of an alarming rate of homelessness as well on top of what it was last quarter. So we got to get ready for that. Right. Yeah. So again, if you're listening, I really encourage you to, you know, please uh, find it uh, in your heart to do what you can support, check out the website, purchase some socks and help support Marcus on this journey, his goal of 10,000 socks for 2020. So what I want to do now is I want to switch over to my two minute drill and ask you seven fun, quick questions. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. Okay, here we go. What's your favorite food? Fettuccine Alfredo with shrimp and chicken and I'd say asparagus. Okay. Good combo there. What's your favorite movie? There's this movie. It came out in 1999. It's called Pandora's Box. I think that's my favorite movie of all time. Okay. I've never, I remember the movie. I've never seen it. So maybe I'll have to go look it up and watch it. Deep. It's more of a thriller. Okay. Uh, How about what's your favorite sports team? To go, obviously, Los Angeles Lakers. I'm not surprised that you said that, (laughs) by the way, being an L.A. native. uh, Okay, so how about what's the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? My mother would be, that stick with me for a long time would be, be ready so you don't have to get ready. That's a good one. Uh, How about, now let's flip it. If you were telling someone, uh, giving someone else advice, what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? I'm going to give you two or three really quick. My biggest thing right now at my age of 27, I think for my demographic, people older or younger, is you don't get your 20s back. And what I mean by that is stereotypically your 20s are supposed to be your most risk-savvy years, your most selfish years to build up for the rest of your life. So I'd say for the people 30 and under, that would be that, that advice. General advice would be, nobody's going to do it for you. So you have to do it yourself. We only live once. So we might as well live out and exhaust all opportunities we can is to live out the life that, you know, God has destined for us rather than what someone has destined for us. Perfect. And I'll add to that tomorrow's not guaranteed, right? So we need to make the most of of every day and live in the present, live fully in the present. Okay, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Everything I do and why I dabble in so many different areas and avenues is, in all honesty, my biggest fear 
is regret. My biggest fear has always been, let's say, if I'm 40 and looking back and living a life that I didn't either work hard for or I should have worked harder for. So in all honesty, when I get older, having that regret of, I wish I would have done that more, I wish I would have done that because it'd be too late because we don't get time back. So I think that is what people don't know. Like my biggest fear is regret. Got it. No, that's that's good because I think too often people take for granted the value of time and then time moves so very quickly and we end up wasting so much of it. And as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate that more, not even from a from a regret, like I, I tend to live my life with no regrets, but it's more, I used to overcommit to many different things. And now I'm very purposeful. I say mm-hmm. no to a lot more things than I say yes, because you just, you can't do everything and you can't be all things to all people. So I'm very particular with what I will give my time to. And so the last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? I've always liked superheroes that can fly because there's nothing like just getting away from a situation so superman just because you know flying is a whole another aspect of things so i think superman so as we wrap up today's show tell our listeners what's the best way to follow you i know you you said some social links already in your website any other ways that people can get a hold of you or any last thoughts for our listeners yes last thought you asked me seven questions can i ask you one absolutely Okay, briefly, you said you left the corporate world to follow your passion of what you're doing now. What was the first instant or what made you want to leave the corporate world to literally full-fledged jump off the cliff and do the entrepreneurial side? It's a great question. So I, I loved working in the corporate world. What made me leave was my dad passed away very unexpectedly. And I was sitting in my house in Michigan at the time, and my mom called me. I was literally sitting in my dining room and saw the phone ring. And I was like, you know what? I'm really busy right now. I'll talk to her later. And I talked to her all the time. So I didn't think there was anything pressing that she was calling about. And that was a phone call where she was trying to tell me that my dad had passed away. And that event of just losing someone you know, in your family so unexpected really got me thinking about what was my life's purpose. And I wasn't unhappy mm. in my life. I loved my life and I loved what I was doing. But I, I really realized that in the corporate world, and this is not to say anything against the corporate world, but you really are replaceable when you leave and the world keeps moving. And so I wanted to do something bigger and to really make a difference and make a larger impact on the world. Um, you know, you talk about making history. I love you. I love you sharing that, you know, don't just set a goal, look to, to make history, because that's exactly why I left was to make a huge difference so that when, you know, I eventually uh, go that I leave a legacy that carries on and really is impactful for other people. So that's why I chose uh, to leave. Mm. And thank you for asking that. That's deep. That's interesting. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I'm glad you said that. Now I'm going to take that perspective of what you said and also tie that in. Cause obviously like once we get older and we get more mature, we understand that, you know, legacy is huge. Not, we're not just no longer living for ourselves, but what is it that we can leave behind? So, No, I appreciate you, you asking. It's something that I, I hope that by sharing it, it inspires other people to really think about their why and what they're doing. And A, to not settle. B, live life with no regrets. And really, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed. And so make sure that you're living in the present each and every day. Yes, ma'am. 
Well, Marcus, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for thinking about me. And uh, as you continue to move the ball, I will do the same in my area of business as well. We wish you much success and definitely looking forward to seeing how things are going with uh, you reaching your goal and making a tremendous impact uh, with MP Motivational Apparel this year and beyond. And thanks again to everyone for listening and we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.